Amen. Take a seat, please. It's good to see you here today. I wanted to take a moment just to introduce our speaker. And uh, this is Scott Lee. And Scott and I have been friends for about 25 years, I think it is. And I was actually a young man when I met Scott. And uh, I was preaching the morning when Scott got saved. And I've had a chance to invest in his life somewhat. And uh, preached his ordination service. And was fortunate enough, we guys, we were fortunate enough this year to hire Scott as our group's pastor. And uh, Scott uh, served as lead pastor at Claremont Baptist Church for how many years, Scott? Thirteen. Thirteen years experience as a lead pastor. And he now works part-time for the Oconee County School District. He's going to be working part-time for us. And so I wanted you to welcome him warmly this morning as Scott preaches his first sermon at Golden Corner Church. Thank you, guys. On behalf of my family, I want to thank you. You've been so kind and uh, so caring for us so far, and I want to thank you for that. Uh, I'm blessed to be here. It's been a somewhat of a wild journey, and maybe one day I'll be able to share that with you guys. But today I want to talk to you about the subject of discipleship. Just the mere mention of the word discipleship brings yawning, probably images of a teacher standing in a classroom with a monotone voice, reading from some quarterly. But discipleship is really what we're all about. It's really the process in which God uses in our lives to bring us to be more like Him. You can search the internet, different church websites. And I guess the good news is what I'm seeing today on a lot of church websites, their mission statements is that they do have some understanding of why they exist. Somewhere along the line, mission statements became a popular thing. And so churches issue mission statements that say something like this, we exist for the purpose of developing Fully devoted followers of Christ. And that's a great statement. That is why we're here. And that's what we do. We take those who are lost, once they're one to the Lord, in that infant state, and we want to help them grow in their knowledge and in their relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. So discipleship is not a bad word. But the bad news is this. We are told that we do a really poor job, for the most part, of doing that. And so that brings the question to mind, why? Is it because the Holy Spirit is no longer active? Could it be that God is no longer working? Or is it that believers are not engaged in the process like they should be? I guess we need to understand a little bit about, more about what discipleship is and what that process looks like, fully understand. The Apostle Paul gives us a great picture of this and the motivation that is behind his own discipleship. What it means for him as he pursues Christ and his relationship with Christ and as he grows in the Lord. Now again, discipleship is simply a process of moving closer to Christ, becoming more like Christ. We're becoming Christ-like. We're being made perfect as He is perfect. There's three dynamics that are involved in this process. 
First of all, you have the Father's will, our Heavenly Father. Secondly, you have the Holy Spirit that is within us, that teaches us. And then you have the believer's will. Now I can tell you this morning that the Father's will, or Christ's will, is very much in place. I can also tell you and assure you that the Holy Spirit is still active today. You saw that just a few weeks ago when we saw 13 people come to Christ. The Holy Spirit is very much active in our lives today. So that only leaves one thing. Maybe it's because as believers, we're not engaged in the process as much as we should be. We're not as committed to the process as we ought to be. Because when a believer in Christ is wholeheartedly committed to the process, what happens is, it activates the Holy Spirit of God that is within us to transform. And it frees us up in our lives that the will of God can work through us. So I believe today that what we're seeing is a reduction in the commitment, how we're engaged in the process to that. Now part of my job here at Golden Corner will be to make sure and to ensure that we're doing all that we can to provide an environment that will nurture you in the Lord Jesus Christ. But to be honest with you, that's really all we can do. The rest of it is up to you. The Holy Spirit is there. The Father's will is there. The question is, what is the motivating factor in your life? What motivates you? What drives you? What moves you? As you seek and you pursue Christ. Let me share with you some elements that I have found in scripture. That every believer ought to have. If he's going to have the type of will that's going to move him. And being or her being more like the Lord Jesus Christ. First of all, you've got to have a desperate desire to move beyond your present condition. You've got to have a desperate desire to move beyond your present condition. In Philippians 3. In verse 12, the Apostle Paul writes these words. He says, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things. Now what he's talking about here, he just got through talking about if any man would have reason to have confidence in the flesh, it would be him. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He uh, obeyed every inch of the law. So if he had any reason to have any confidence at all, it would be him. But he says, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection. The word perfection there simply means mature, complete. But he says, but I press on to possess the perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. Now, I don't know that there's ever been anybody who's done more for Christianity and influenced it more than the Apostle Paul. Outside of Jesus Christ. He is my hero. When I think of all the people that are mentioned in the Bible. The Apostle Paul. I'm inspired by his life. I'm inspired by his enthusiasm. And, and his wholeheartedly way that he serves the Lord Jesus. But the Apostle Paul says this. He says. I have not attained. I have not reached my objective. I have not accomplished my goal, is what he's saying. 
I'm still striving to obtain that which Jesus has taken hold of me for. So he realized that he's just involved in the process. That it's not complete. That he hasn't achieved. He hasn't arrived, we could say. And I believe that in the Apostle Paul, who probably influenced more people for Christ, outside of Jesus Christ than any other person who ever walked upon this earth, is saying to himself that I haven't obtained. And saying to us that he hasn't obtained. Surely today we can also realize that we have not arrived either. <laughs> There's two kinds of disciples I see in church today. There are those who realize they haven't arrived and they're pursuing and they're pressing on to accomplish that goal and there's lives. <laughs> there's two types. And I don't know where you fit in that. I hope that you are one of those who uh, feel like you haven't arrived. You know that the process is still working. You're still working that process. You say, what's the problem? Well, <coughs> One of the problems is that we evaluate ourselves the wrong way. When you evaluate where you are in your Christian walk with the Lord, oftentimes we evaluate ourselves based on what we have accomplished, what we have done. And we look back to that day when we received Christ. Ronnie was correct. Uh, he was preaching in the morning that I received Christ. Miracles still do happen. Uh, they still take place. I'm not talking about my salvation. I'm talking about his preaching. I'm trying to make a joke. There you go. There you go. But they evaluate on what they have accomplished. And they look back and over the years and they realize how much they have learned in Scripture, how much they have matured in the things and the walk with the Lord. And, and they're proud of that. And they've accomplished a lot or we've accomplished a lot in that journey. But we don't evaluate our life or our spiritual journey based on what we have yet to accomplish. Now let's just say, for example, that I decide this year I want to run and complete a marathon. So the first thing I have to do is evaluate where I am in that process. Right now I can probably run about 100 feet without passing out. And so that's where I am. I have to be honest about that. If, if, if I start training, i got to know where I am. And so I decided I commit myself to training the right way. I'm going to eat the right way. And I'm going to accomplish my goal. I'm working hard and I'm really striving to accomplish that goal. And I get to the place that I can run 20 miles before I pass out. And that's pretty good. 20 miles. And so I decide about that time that, well, I've accomplished so much. Begin, to begin with, I couldn't run but 100 feet. Now I'm running 20 miles before I pass out. And so I can slack up a little bit. Start eating cheeseburgers on a weekly basis now. Maybe not train as hard every day as I've been doing. The problem is, even though I've accomplished a lot and am much further down the road than I was when I began, a marathon is 26.2 miles. So I'm still short. Now if I enter the race, I'm running hard for 20 miles, I get to that 20 mile point and I just pass out, nobody's ever going to remember anything about what I've done because I didn't finish the race. And so what the Apostle Paul is saying here is that there's still much more for me to do. I've still got a long way. And he uses this term, pressing on. Now this is not an easy task that we have before us. Now Paul uses the imagery of a race, uh, 
but my, in my mind, I see here someone who is fighting through a storm, a snowstorm, and uh, some of you may have lost power last night, and you've heard the wind blowing, and, and I can imagine someone out there, and they're battling the wind, they're battling the elements, and they're fighting through the process, but they're pressing forward because they're not home yet. They can see the light, and they're trying to get there. Well, that's what he's saying to us, that he's pressing forward. This is not an easy path. This is not an easy thing that we're trying to accomplish. But we're pressing forward. We're pressing to that goal in which the Lord has taken hold of us. I want you to understand you can never become satisfied or get to the place where you feel like you have arrived. Matter of fact, I'm going to share something with you that's very encouraging. What if I were to tell you today that the goal of every believer is to become like Christ? The problem is you cannot accomplish that goal. Now that's either going to deflate you or encourage you or enrage you. I don't know which one. To accomplish that goal, we have to keep pressing forward. But when we realize that we can't accomplish that goal on this side of heaven, then what is it that motivates us? It's the process itself. Every day becomes an opportunity for you to grow more, serve more, learn more. Every day becomes an opportunity for you to increase who you are in Christ. To decrease who you were before. And to become more like Christ, become a greater influence on the world. So even though we have not arrived, we're pressing forward and it must be a desperate desire that we have within us. Too many people today become very complacent, satisfied in their spiritual growth. And because of that, they get stuck. In a single place. I've met good people over the years who have been members of churches 40, 50 years, but they haven't grown in years. They're stagnant. They're incomplete. But they're not pressing forward. And so I would encourage you today to evaluate yourself and where you are in your spiritual journey, but also to understand that you've got to keep pressing forward. You've got to keep moving on. It's that desperate desire that we must have within us to move beyond our present condition. No matter where you are, no matter how far you have come, you've still got much further to go. So you've got to keep pressing forward. Second thing I see here that motivate, or should motivate us, is that we need a strong faith to keep moving forward. It's a desperate desire, it's a strong faith. The Apostle Paul writes in verse 13, he says, no, dear brothers and sisters. Now, he's speaking to them in an intimate way, uh, very affectionate. He says, I have not achieved it. Again, he's reiterating the fact that he hasn't completed his goal yet. But I focus on this one thing. Now, that one thing is what? Becoming like Christ. That one thing is becoming more Christ-like. That one thing is to complete the perfection. So he says, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Now the Apostle Paul could be accused of a lot of things. But the one thing we can say about him today is that he was probably, or he had the worst case of tunnel vision any man that ever lived. I mean, you're talking about single focus or single minded. It's all he ever thought about. And everything else in his life around him either aided the process that he was growing in or it 
hindered the process, and that's the way he viewed life. And so he uses terms like press on, looking forward, to give us this mental image of growing in Christ that no matter what our circumstances are, no matter whether we are in favor in our circumstances, no matter what happens in our life or other people that get in our way or how we mess things up, he is continuing to push and press on. Now he writes this in Philippians 3.8, if you'll just look back a few verses, and this kind of summarizes, I think, his attitude about Christ and what Christ meant in his life and, and, and how this relationship impacted him. He says, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And that's a pretty powerful statement, isn't it? He says, for his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. Counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. Now, if anyone had any reason to brag about what they have done and accomplished, it would have been the Apostle Paul. But yet he himself did not see himself as being one that had reached his goal. He was still moving forward. Listen, it takes a strong faith. You know why? Because there are distractions in this world. There are temptations in this world. There are things that will pull you down. There are things that will pull you away. Material wealth becomes a distraction. Fleshly desire becomes a distraction. Time becomes a distraction. Busyness becomes a distraction. And all of a sudden we get caught up in all these things that are going on around us. The cares of this world become a distraction. We live in a cursed world. We live in a world that is battling against everything that we're trying to do and accomplish within the church, within our life for Jesus Christ. And so we can become easily distracted by all these things that are going on around us. And the next thing you know, we're stumbling and we're struggling and even contemplating in our mind that we're going to quit. That we're going to give up. Or maybe we'll just settle in on showing up to church every week. Maybe we'll just settle in on just being who we are and being satisfied with that, hanging on to those distractions that pulled us away from Christ. Guys, it takes a strong faith to get through the hindrances that hinder us in this world. It's a battle. And that's why it's so important that you have other people in your life that can encourage you. You know, getting back to the marathon, you notice as these runners are running along. There's people along the side of the road cheering them on, some of them with cups of water, offering them a little bit of relief from the pain that they're feeling in their muscles. There's a term in racing, and, and again, you don't really see this at 100 feet that I can do now, uh, but it's called hitting the wall. You get to a place, not a literal wall, but an invisible wall. You get to the place where moving forward or running any more than what you run, becomes almost impossible. The temptation is there that I'm just going to quit here. Uh, no one's going to blame me for giving up at this point because I've done so much at this point, so I'm just going to give it up. And you hit the wall. Those who accomplish their goal and finish the race, they have to fight through that. And many of you have had to battle temptations. You've had to battle distractions. You've had to battle all these things in this world. You go to work every day and those distractions are there. You get out in the world and the distractions are there. They're everywhere. 
and we've got to fight through those distractions. It takes a strong faith in order to keep moving forward. It takes a strong faith to overcome the temptation to give up. Quitting is never an option when we're trying to please God. Quitting is never an option when we're trying to please God. Spiritual maturity is not about reaching our goal. It is about the process that leads us to the goal. Did you get that? I'm going to say it one more time. Spiritual maturity is not about reaching our goal. It is about the process that leads us to the goal. When I think about discipleship, when I think about our small groups, when I think about this whole process and, and what we do, creating these environments that will nurture you in your faith, what is the goal there? What are we trying to help you do? What are we trying to help you to achieve? And this is the way I sum it up. We're trying to help you reach your spiritual potential, whatever that may be. Some of us are at the very beginning. Some of us are in the middle. Some of us are a little bit further down the road. But whatever your spiritual potential is, that's what we want because that's the will of God for your life, that you reach that spiritual potential that you have. So we're trying to aid you in that process. So spiritual maturity is not about reaching our goal. Because we'll reach that goal when we see Jesus face to face. When we become as He is at that moment. We won't know, we'll no longer be on this earth or in this world. We'll be with Him. But it's about the process that leads us to the goal. And so we've got to continue in the process. We've got to see those daily accomplishments and celebrate those accomplishments, the little steps that we take toward, uh, toward becoming more like Christ. And so it takes a strong faith. Those who allow their faith to become weak, there's casualties every year in every church. See people start the journey strong. They're saved, they're excited, and, and they want to do great things for God. They're in love with God, they're falling in love with Christ. And, and they want to do great things for the Lord. But now all of a sudden, they have a tendency to miss here, miss there. You don't see them as much. Their conversations are not as Christ-centered as they used to be. And then all of a sudden, you don't see them at all. I call it those casualties. It's when we allow our faith to become weak. We need strong faith to continue to battle every day as we move forward in our spiritual journey. It's not simply about evaluating where we are and trying to get beyond that with this desperate desire, but it's also about continuing on. This is a continual effort that we are on, that we're in. There's never a stopping point, never a quitting point. Quitting is not an option. We're trying to please God in our growth. But then there's a third thing. And by the way, for 13 years now, my quitting point has been 12 o'clock. And so uh, I kind of have gotten used to that. Somebody out there is saying right now, you preach all you want, brother, just lock up, cut the lights off when you leave. <laughs> We're going to be eating supper. Yeah, I see your hands. I see those hands everywhere. The third thing is this. There has to be an intense focus to reach your spiritual potential. Now look what Paul says in verse 14. Again, he says, I press on. Get that mental image in your mind. He, he's fighting through the distractions. He's battling the temptations. He's moving forward. 
even in the midst of persecution and circumstances. He says, I press on to reach the end of the race and achieve the heavenly prize for which God. Now some translations say the upward call. It points us not only to the source and the objective of his goal, but the motivating factor in his life. He says to, to receive the heavenly prize for which Christ, through Jesus Christ, is calling us. We're being called. Our greatest thing is Jesus Christ. No one loves you like he does. There's no one pulling for you like he is. There's no one who offers you the support like he does. Jesus is with you. He's pushing you. He's prompting you. The Holy Spirit that indwells you is teaching you, training you, transforming you. Guys, we've got to have this focus. It's got to be intense and we've got to keep moving forward in this process. I believe there were three really motivating factors in Paul's life. Every one of us had these three factors in our life. First of all, it was his past. Now, if you know anything about Paul, you know that in his past, he was the greatest persecutor of the church. He was called Saul. Even though now he's planting churches, he's winning people to Christ, he's battling the Pharisees and all the persecutors that are coming against him, now all of a sudden, he's this great man of God. But in his past, he was the greatest persecutor of the church. He was the enemy of Christ. He was one of those that were trying to stop this movement. Doing a really good job at it. But his past didn't take away from his efforts. They motivated his efforts. I hear people say this all the time. You just don't understand where I come from. You have no idea what I was or what I used to do. I may not. And to be honest with you, it's really not all that important to me. Jesus knows. And it's not really about where you have come from. It's about where you are going. But we can look at our past and use that to motivate us in the future and in the present. Or we can look at our past and allow it to bog us down, to keep us down, to beat us down. Or we can use that to motivate us. I believe the Apostle Paul, with all the energy that he used to rise to the top in the Pharisees' rank, used that same motivation and that same energy as he pursued Christ. As he pressed forward for the kingdom of God. As he encouraged others in the church to strive to share the gospel with the world. The second one is this. His conversion. The Apostle Paul was on his way to persecute the church in Damascus. And on the Damascus road, he saw a light. It was Jesus himself. The light was so bright that it blinded the Apostle. That experience, that one moment in his life, so transformed him, so motivating him, that he was never the same after that. I remember March... 25th, 1990, just like it happened yesterday. I look different. Ronnie looked different. Ronnie looks more different than me. 
But I remember that day and often I relive that day. I just think back to that morning when I got up and I got ready and I went to church that day. I hadn't been to church in years, really. And the only reason I went that morning is because I promised someone that I would. So I left the bar early that night and I got home enough time to get a little bit of sleep, set the alarm clock, got up, and actually made it. My number one goal that day was simply this. Show up, go home, get it out of the way. Jesus had other plans. That morning I got saved. And I relived that day. And I relived that day. And I think about it and it becomes just as real now as it was then. And, and the feelings that I had then and, and, and the love of Christ that He's shown me then now is just as real in me. And, and, and I think about that day and what Jesus did for me on the cross and dying for my sins and paying the debt for my sins that I won't have to pay because He's already paid it for me. When I think about that, it motivates, motivates me. If He gave that much for me, why can't I give my life for Him? And so it's His past that motivated Him. It's His conversion that motivated Him. But thirdly, it was His mission. It was His mission. Now, the Apostle Paul was called as the Apostle to the Gentiles. But mainly he was called just to spread the gospel. And his entire life effort was to spread the gospel. I don't know how many of you think this way or not, but you look around at the condition of the world today, the condition of our nation, the condition of our county. When I look at it, I think, how did we get here? We probably have 300, 400 churches in this county alone. How did we get here? Why is it that more people today are sitting at home and not in the house of worship? How did we get here? Well, somewhere along the way, the church has lost its influence. Yet the mission hasn't changed. The problem is we redefine the mission. They are the mission, not us. See, in so many churches today, what is going on is that there are people that are sitting in sanctuaries and auditoriums and they're worshiping the Lord, but when it comes right down to it, they see the mission as me. What are you doing for me? What are you going to offer me? How is this going to benefit me? And we have redefined the mission. The mission is not about us. The mission is about those who have yet to receive Christ. The mission is about those who are sitting at home today who have no knowledge of a Savior. That's the mission. And when we understand that there is a mission, that we're here for a reason, that we come to worship Christ because we need that energy and that excitement and the reality of Christ in our life so that we can go out and complete the mission, and it takes on a whole new perspective. The mission should motivate us. The fact that there's more people today out here that are lost than are saved should motivate us. You say, well, that's what the Bible says. That there's a wide road that leads to destruction, a narrow road that leads to salvation. The Bible tells us it's going to be that way. And guys, listen to us. As long as he leaves us here on this earth, 
we should use every resource and our availability to reach one more person for Christ. You may ask yourself this question from time to time. When is a church big enough? When do we have enough people? When can we say that we as a church need to just simply settle in and focus on those we have? Well, as long as there's one lost person out there, we don't have that advantage. We've got to keep working. We've got to keep moving forward. Paul was motivated by his past and the fact that Jesus became the primary focus of his life. His conversion, Jesus changed him. And by his mission that he was charged with. Discipleship is not a boring word. Growing in the Lord is not a boring journey. We've made it that way. But it's about a relationship with a living God that we're walking hand in hand with every single day. And in that process, we're becoming more like Him. We may have setbacks. We may fail. We may miss from time to time. But in the end, we're still moving forward. <clears throat> Maybe someone here today and you've become complacent. word that I've used over the years is simply this apathy. You become apathetic. Meaning that you're really not that concerned anymore. But you realize you've got to get back in the race. Maybe someone here today and you're dealing with some distractions, temptations and those things in your life and you're battling through. I want you to know that Jesus is with you we're with you to help you continue to move forward. One day, we're going to see the finish line. One day, it's going to be right there and we can almost reach out and touch you. And I can't wait to that day that we can look around and realize that we have accomplished our goal and we're all in heaven and we're praising the Lord Jesus Christ with all of our heart and we have been made perfect as He is perfect. And none of these things we do here with on earth will matter anymore. But until that day comes, Get in the process. Get involved. If you're not in a group, you need to get in the group. <coughs> so have time for that. You don't have time not to have time for that. Get involved in the process. Father, we thank you. We love you. And Lord, we have failed you and Lord, so many ways we have fallen short. Father, my prayer is today that you energize and inspire us. Keep moving forward in this process. Keep struggling and keep straining and keep reaching for the goal of which you have placed before us. Not to give up. Not to settle. Lord, keep moving forward. <coughs> Lord, may tomorrow we become more like you. May next week we be more like you than we are today. God, our goal is simply to take those steps day by day. To continue moving forward. I thank you for the men and women that are here this morning. That are a part of that process. That encourage those around them. That inspire them. That edify them. Strengthen. 
And I pray for those that are contemplating quitting and giving up and have become complacent, apathetic. That God, today will be a new beginning for them. Today will be an opportunity to step back in the race and continue that journey. You haven't drifted away from us, but oftentimes we drift away from you. Father, we love you, we thank you, we praise you today for all that you do and for all that you are. I go with us now. Lead us for all that you have us to do as we grow in you. Of course, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.